Welcome back to the Joat Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 52. Dad, we're going to have to start focusing on other sports now. That's right. Yep, football's over. But, uh, you know, one thing I'm glad for is I know a lot about sports. And look at if you listen to my last podcast, I thought it was going to be a smoke show. I got that part right. <laughs> Just the wrong team. But, but that makes me happy because that's the whole purpose behind sports. Yeah, especially for us, you kind of have to – I was trying to adjust your mic. You you have to make predictions. That's the thing about sports where you think you're smart until yep. you have to start doing this. And you're going to be wrong. It, yep. If you look at – especially uh, – like I, I was picking – we were picking every NFL game together. I'm not going to be right every time. You just – sometimes you have to take a shot in the dark. And I guess everything – when I, I went, and this is one of the first podcasts I listened back to just see what we were saying. And everything we were saying about about this game just seemed like it was spoon-feeding it to Tampa Bay. And we just went, nope, Mahomes. Right. And really, the biggest... Because when I was watching this game, right before, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take notes every drive. This is going to be so prepared for this podcast. But then, right. as I was watching, you can just boil it down to... And I said it during the game, which... Uh, because we weren't watching together, I was watching with my girlfriend and mom, and they were shocked because two seconds before Tony Romo said, and look at Mahomes, he's running for his life, I said it. They right. were both like, whoa, how did you know that? And I was like, the, we do this. As we watch games, one of us is usually a few seconds ahead. Right. So what was what was your just impression of the Super Bowl as a whole? I thought it was good. Uh I think we talked about it that most Super Bowls are not good games. I was going to do more research on that, but when I was just, I wanted to do it more offhand. Let's go since 2010. So the Rodgers, when they beat the Steelers, that was a good Super Bowl. Yeah. Beyond that, um, I don't remember which year is which. They had, there was the uh, New England Giants rematch. That was a good game. Yep, right. Um the, as much as I hated the New England Atlanta comeback was an amazing game. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl was good. Yep. Seahawks uh, Seahawks Patriots went right down to the last Wire, second. Yep. But then you think of the last, uh, even last year with Kansas City San Francisco was good. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The Super Bowl wasn't great. Um, There's more duds than there are good games yeah patriots sure. patriots rams which i realize now tony romo and jim nance have done two super bowls together and it was the lowest scoring super bowl ever in this one right and then there's probably not many super i mean there's almost one we turned off at halftime which was seattle denver right there's for such a hyped event i we always say that it's a weird game but this year it just it and I felt bad because it wasn't even like the AFC Championship where Romo was trying to go, okay, well, you know, if they score here, maybe they're back in it. You could yeah. just tell Kansas City and Mahomes, like anyone, a lot of people started to compare Mahomes to Russell Wilson, which is actually, I wanted to talk about it before the Super Bowl. Now it just makes complete sense that in their first year, they lose in the playoffs. Uh, the second year, they win the Super Bowl. And their third year, they lose to Brady in the Super Bowl. There you go. So everyone tries is going to start comparing him to Russell Wilson, who said this week that he's frustrated about how much he's gotten hit. We saw Mahomes and how many backup offensive linemen were out there. just, And he was still making so many good plays. On one foot. 
Yeah, on he's, top of that. he's getting surgery. Yeah, if he's getting surgery, obviously he's not 100%. He's not running like we watched the replay of last year's Super Bowl. He was running way better, right? Like, he, again, like you said, he was running for his life, where last year he was running for first downs. Yeah, because like, he had his full his full strength offensive line, and he just everyone was, was running covered. with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where yeah, not in this one. And again, a couple of uh, plays like we talked again. We talked about before this was um, there was a couple of plays where like you were talking about a couple of inches where we're like talking about an amazing play here that maybe it turns around the game, maybe it doesn't. But regardless, we would still talk about it. Yeah, in the first half, in the first quarter, before they kicked the field goal, the third down play, Mahomes throws a almost perfect pass to Tyreek Hill and it hits him in the face mask. That that should have been really the cue there that this game was over. When you look at, back at it, because he never dropped any passes this year, right? It was just one of those, like Kelsey too, right? Like, again, he's double or triple team, but you expect him still to make the catch. That's how good these guys are. And they were dropping passes. Which just as soon as Tampa Bay got control, you could just feel the life getting drained out of this game. They were running the ball, short passes, just dip and dunk and kill the clock, which is what you have to do. Because really until I would say the maybe end of the third quarter, I think a lot of people thought, well, it's Kansas City. They could still do it. Exactly. If it was the other way around, you, every, the, everyone would have turned off their TVs. But yeah, the way I, it's true. I was thinking the same thing. Like, Maybe still, if there's one play away from, you know, an 80-yard touchdown pass or whatever, right, to get back in this game. It just it just never came. And really, when we think of Kansas City, they're such an offensive team, but it was, I think it was the first, it might have been the second quarter where Ronald Jones gets stopped at the one or half yard line right. on fourth and goal. And that seems like that's the turning point that could make a big impact. That's what I was thinking, too. That was the one time I thought that Kansas City's got a chance to go down 99 yards, score, and then turn this game around. But it's incredible that this is uh, the first time, I think Mahomes said in college, or it's been said that since Mahomes was in college or high school that he hasn't scored a touchdown in a game. That's crazy. I mean, he said this is the worst he's gotten blown out. People were bringing up numbers from texas tech there was one game they lost 55 to 10 right but again in in the same case texas tech was always cliff kingsbury and they were running gun and didn't really play defense right i if anyone watched this game and you think it's mahomes's fault again he's injured the one the one sequence where it's a third down he makes some ridiculous pass where he's turning back and forth and he throws it into the corner of the end zone almost caught Almost caught in the corner. Yeah. And then the fourth down, he goes airborne and throws it 30 yards. That that could be like the cover of Sports Illustrated. I I would have liked to have seen that snapshot of him, yeah, in midair, sideways, throwing a sidearm ball. And again, it didn't work. But again, if it does, it's amazing. But it's amazing the fact he's able to do that in a Super Bowl regardless of the of the result yeah uh i mean we have to give tom brady's due it's his seventh super bowl he breaks off from bill belichick and wins again i'm never gonna deny how great he is my only thing and thing is and i've i saw it more before the super bowl is do we only count championships as what makes someone the greatest yeah i don't know because it's a team sport right so like, really, was he the Super Bowl MVP? Like, he played good, 
but like efficient. If, yeah, yeah. So like you could give it to Alex Smith then if you're an efficient quarterback, right? Like I I don't think he did anything above and beyond. He didn't have to. No. But it, it I, really I guess you could say like the M- MVP of the Super Bowl is going to be a quarterback. They should just change the change the title. Yeah. Right. Or just have multiple awards. Just who was the who was the winning quarterback? You get right. an award, and then right. who was the best player of this game? Right. Because right. you could look you could look around. I I Gronk caught two touchdowns. Antonio yep. Brown caught a touchdown. Yep. Leonard, but Fournette. they're not talked about at all, right? Like as soon as the game's over, it's it's Brady gets it. Unfortunately, and the quarterback makes the speech. Yeah, like even Jones, like uh, I picked him in uh, for the over for running, and like, he did a great job. Like he had over fifty yards. Like every time he was out there. But again, he's only in what ten plays, right? So yeah. it's hard to to look at that that way. But yeah, like it's. it's I guess I kind of feel just bad for the other 52 players on the team that, you know, are not going to get a chance to even have a chance to win the award. It's almost like we should have just decided it. Like, you just you need a quarterback award because you always need to give that quarterback recognition. You could have picked anybody on the defensive line. You could have picked Antoine Winfield. There were so many guys making impacts. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Bar- Barrett or... Uh, Jason, Jay- yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul. Paul, yeah. Sue. Yeah. The yeah. linebackers. Levante David did an amazing job on Travis Kelsey. Devin White. Like, they just had... They have playmakers everywhere. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so I guess yeah, that's it for football season. I think I told you it's t- around two hundred and ten days. Right. I, but I feel like that's until like opening kickoff of next season. Right. We'll have an off, or at least uh, hopefully a regular draft this year. Yeah. Eh, probably, we'll see. Probably not. No. It's only a couple of months. I I, I didn't mind. I, honestly, it, it was better for me the virtual draft because they also. I love looking back at Minnesota before they picked Justin Jefferson, thought Philadelphia was going to pick him, and they picked another wide receiver, and then the whole Vikings front office started laughing, basically at the Eagles. I I don't mind the virtual draft. I just think we need a full, like, OTAs and training camp and preseason. Right, right. Because even if it's no fans for for the preseason, at least by the regular season, it, it should be in a better position by then. Right. Uh. Also, oh, okay, so I'll talk about before uh, the last episode, I said there was something I wanted to talk about, and it was uh, Carson Wentz trade rumors. I don't see Tiger up there. Oh, are we, uh, we can we talk keep about it. For, we keep forgetting about that. I just Sorry, I'm looking at your list, but okay, go ahead. Well, we'll squeeze Tiger. We'll put Tiger in there because we didn't talk about the Super Bowl for that long. Um, Carson Wentz trade rumors. I said the Colts, and I said it to you for a while. Now, apparently, the Bears are in it, but there's also another report today that the Bears are impatient and they are overvaluing once i feel like the eagles just end up keeping them the doesn't don't the bears already have two quarterbacks i i was thinking uh once for fullest trade would be hilarious oh, okay but i mean they already have two quarterbacks the colts don't have any well yeah. i guess they got Brissett, right i think he's a free agent oh boy so okay so yeah i would say the colts definitely need one more than it's almost like you feel like they could do better than Wentz. Like, there's got to be someone else out there. Possibly. I mean, I there's zero doubt in my mind Deshaun Watson would go there, but that's a Super Bowl contender. Right. Uh, NFL honors, not too many surprises. Pretty much everyone we've said, Rodgers wins MVP, Kevin Stefanski, Coach of the Year. Right. Uh, Derrick Henry, Offensive Player of the Year. The one that 
I said I didn't think it would be this guy, but he deserved it. it. Was Aaron Donald winning Defensive Player of the Year? Right. Although JJ Watt defended his brother with stats that didn't really add too much context. Besides, he led the league in this, and he's my brother. Yeah, and Aaron Donald got double teamed on like seventy percent of plays. Yeah, it it's a bit of a difference. Right. Uh, Justin Herbert over Justin Jefferson. I still don't really agree with it, but maybe it is just a quarterback award i also yeah. didn't realize how many records herbert did break as a rookie quarterback yeah yeah no he's impressive on a team that really when you went through some of the uh, games you went through the f- full season like the Chargers were in a lot of games i keep thinking of the 56 nothing loss or whatever it was to, to New the England, patriots yeah because that's where i thought they gave up but uh yeah earlier in the year they were actually in a lot of games they, they were could have won. They were beating Tampa Bay, yeah. twenty-one to seven, and it, and it wasn't Herbert's fault. It was just Tom Brady came back, and they could have beat Buffalo, yeah. right? With that, remember they had the ball at the goal line, and they just mismanagement at uh, the time. Kansas City in overtime. That was Herbert's first game, right? Yeah, yeah. They, so. They're going to come back next year with because uh, they hired Brandon Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator. Right. So and they'll get a top ten pick. Yeah, I think at least I think. Uh, before we talk about Tiger, I wanted to talk about the Tom Brady championship winning effect. Okay. Because I found this fascinating. So Tom Brady, born in 1977 yep. in San Francisco. Uh, during his time there, in 1979, the 49ers drafted Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. In 1980, the Raiders won the Super Bowl. The 49ers won the Super Bowl in 1981, yep. 84, 88, 89, 94. Uh, and the Oakland A's won the World Series in 1989. So that's all during Tom Brady living there. He then moves to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, the Red Wings uh, make the Stanley Cup Finals in 95. They win the Stanley Cup in 96 and 97. Right. And Michigan wins a national championship. In what? In football. Okay. I think. Actually, I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, he then moves to Boston, which we know he won the 2001 2003 2004 2014 16 and 18 super bowls they also made the 2007 and 2011 super bowl where they lost to the giants right uh the boston red sox won the 2004 world series that broke the curse right uh 2007 yeah 2013 and 2018 world series one four right uh the boston ruins won the 2011 stanley cup right also made the stanley cup in 2013 and 2019 right losing to chicago and st louis respectively uh the boston celtics won the 2008 championship and lost in the nba finals to the lakers in 2010 and then tom brady moves to tampa bay and in one year the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Oh, right. The wow. Tampa Bay Rays make the World Series. Right. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Wow. So wherever Brady goes, yeah. it's championship level all around. Right. So I, I just thought that was fun. Right. From, we're we're going to move him to Toronto? Yeah. That's, right. Maybe the Leafs can finally win their Stanley Cup. That's why. I. It's not the best joke in the world, but I heard someone say when COVID is over, is sounding a lot like when the Leafs win the Cup. Right. <laughs> Just a lot further away than we think. Um, so I didn't write it down, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we wa- watched the Tiger Woods documentary. Yep. He's someone that I grew up and all I saw was him win. I yep. never saw the highs or the lows. This, right. This documentary, which we still don't know if he approved of I don't this. think so, because like, you think it would have been like the Michael Jordan one where he'd be sitting in a chair and he would have did 
like his side of things or you know what I mean? They never yeah. had they never actually talked to him. Yeah. So I'd say no. But it does a good job of not is showing the amazing athlete that he yep. is. Yep. But also the downfalls. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was very well done. Like it was a neutral view of things, right? It wasn't any opinion based. Nope. It was just this this, this is the timeline of what, events. Right. This is what happened and again in the world of Tiger later in his career everything is on phones right yeah. like so you're able to see some of that not earlier when he was so awesome but on his downfall unfortunately you got to it wasn't like that was the beginning of like the social media era exactly even his early life i, I thought that was fascinating with his dad and um uh, another friend of theirs yep. that yep had such an impact on Tiger, but right. he also saw them cheating on their wives and not right. setting the right example. But right. for him, that's the example that was set for him. That's right. what he thought that do. was normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and again, getting it from a neutral person, right? It wasn't his dad. No. It was from a just a family friend who was there, right? So, mm-hmm. and his girlfriend that he was that. They didn't say it directly, but wasn't it his parents wrote a letter to yeah. his girlfriend saying that yeah. they were it's breaking over. up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was going to affect his golf career. And they did a good job of talking to her. And she was like, it was a different side of Tiger that yeah. I saw. He was a different person when he was around me. Right. And his parents definitely saw that, which made them go, okay, this isn't going to be good for him. This, right. He's going to be a superstar. Right, right. And then once we get to his golf dominance, I feel like... In the grand scheme of things, it's I think it's still underrated of how long he dominated from yes. how young, right? Until his down, really until his downfall, he was the greatest athlete in the world. Yeah, it, it's the only time I've ever seen other professional athletes so often wilt. I, like again, you see it once in a while, but every time I just remember on the Sunday, like just watching. It wasn't just Tiger for me; it was watching all the other golf legends like i'm not just one and done kind of guys because that happened too but it was watching all these professionals like they just knew they were gonna lose and everybody knew it it's i've never seen it before i don't know if i'll ever see that again and that's really what got me hooked to golf because i wasn't a big golf fan before tiger yeah and for him being such a trailblazer of being a half black half asian golfer Uh, again yeah i I didn't see it that way because i don't see people that way but yeah on top of that for sure and yeah that was the one thing i would say wasn't really talked about uh was any of the racist side of the stuff a little bit touched on but I'm sure he went through a lot. A lot, I, I a would lot more think. than we heard of. Exactly. And maybe that'll be something that comes out if Tiger actually has his own documentary. He might, You might get to dive into a little bit more because I would definitely be interested to, to hear what he has to say about that side of stuff. Yeah, that's why they couldn't really go into it because I think they were talking about Augusta National, like one of the most prestigious golf courses that yeah. weren't allowing golfers like him a few right. years before he got there. He got there, there exactly. So you just they, again, it's a point where they're just giving you the facts, and you can't really hear anyone's perspective beyond who they could get to talk to. Right. Uh, yeah. He and just an unbelievable a comeback that we know we should we should have brought mom in for this because of how much she loves Tiger. Right. Biggest Tiger fan in the world. She got hooked, and they did a good job at the end of the because it was a two part series, and I yeah. think it was three hours combined because the second right. part was two hours. Right. 
and they sit down and honestly when they sat down the girl i didn't know who it was but it was one of his mistresses that right. had a more i guess public impact yeah and that just for a second i thought it was his ex-wife which made me think yeah she doesn't look really good, good exactly but yeah. she has been out of the spotlight ever ever since her and tiger yeah had their split yeah. or whatever you want to call it and messy yeah. messiness um yeah, I think that anything else for Tiger? No, just but again, the wife. I would have loved to again hear her side of things. You know, it just it kind of opens up even more interesting. But I, I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. You know, the the documentary itself was excellent. It just to me now it's just kind of again the racist part of things. Uh, the, what was the wife's perspective on things? You know, what was happening there, or some of the other women? They only talked to his one ex girlfriend and one girl. Like there was many other women that were involved that they thought they were now the one or whatever. Yeah, that's that. They so, did do a good like because of how many girls it was, and then once they find out, oh, he was saying the exact same thing to all these people. But right. he doesn't seem like a person that would just say that just to say it. That when he was there with someone, that's probably what he genuinely felt. Felt right. And the other thing was how uh, again that surprised me about it was how he just cuts people right out of their lives as soon as. They're not useful. Yeah, I I, I wasn't sure how or to like say not, that. Not useful on his team. Him. Yeah, yeah, it just cuts them right out, and that's again probably he got again got that from his parents, where they you know if some one part of his life the people in it weren't um, a positive influence for his golf uh, future, they cut him out. Right, it started with that letter, right, it, and it seems like that's what he does, which was really interesting. It's, but even he kind of even cut out his dad after it seemed like the relationship yeah. had gone. Yeah, rocky. it got sour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he he learned that, and honestly, for a professional athlete, sometimes it's necessary. It does, and Tiger is definitely very robotic, especially when oh for sure he is when yes. he had the big apology. It just. It was something that I remember when he had to make that apology. I didn't know at that time what the context of it was, but I just, even then, I was kind of like, it doesn't feel like he's really remorseful. It feels like he just has to read the statement. Like, well, if, it felt like during a school presentation, like you have to read what you're taught, like, read what you have. Absolutely. And again, part of the documentary, um, Nike, they had somebody there to teach him how to say things in public. So I'm sure that they were part of it, you know, like, but it wasn't even Nike that his dad. No, I know. Him. Yeah, no, I know that too, for sure. So like, again, it, it's not tiger's not tiger, right? He's a trained person that, you know, between you're right, his dad and Nike, this is what you say. And that's it. You, you, you can't even speak your own mind. Right. And, even even Tiger today, that's really you. I don't feel you ever really get the true Tiger when they're asking him questions and stuff like that. That's just the he's very robotic. And he never like I would love to see him on some kind of late night talk show or I mean the medium now podcasting is amazing. I would right. love to hear. I don't know if he because I feel like he probably also wouldn't have that many media friends. Right. But I wonder if there's someone out there that could sit down and get the real tiger and get right. a more not closed off and not media trained tiger, but right. just just him. Right. So Tiger, if you're listening, we're available. If yes, you we can for sure talk to you about sit all this. Down here, we're regular guys, and we uh, we would not treat you any different. We've seen the documentary, and hey, everybody's human. Ah, uh, that that might be the reason why it doesn't come now. Oh, there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> sorry, and everybody's robotic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh that, that's good i'm 
I honestly could every like couple months I could probably rewatch that and pick out something different right. to pay attention to. Yeah. So very well done. Definitely recommended. Yes, totally. All right, let's get to uh, the NHL. Uh, we got some more postponements. Oh, uh, it's starting to bug me. Well, because like now, my buddy was saying, he was so frustrated with the NHL and you know things getting canceled. It wasn't affecting his team. He's a Leafs fan, but regardless, he was starting to get frustrated. He was hearing rumors that they might go to a forty-game schedule. Now I'm starting to think, yeah, they or or to a bubble. It it will it just kind of makes sense because. This is this is the NFL's arrogance. The fact that we're all celebrating that we made it to the end of the season is not a good thing. It's because right. we just kind of the NFL just decided we're just going to push through everything. That's we're what just they did. yeah, and they made it. And sure, you can yep. celebrate that. Yep. The NHL, it's just they're in the same position. And For sure. Same with the NBA as not as bad now, right. but they're there. Same the, thing. NCAA, the six hundred games have been either canceled or postponed. It's ridiculous. That's so high. And now 600 it, games and now it's your right? philadelphia flyers uh, yeah exactly yeah now i get to watch my team tonight so now covid's affecting me personally well because the only name i saw was travis sandheim added to the list and then a second person has a possible positive that's why they shut down the it, game tonight it is just it is really it doesn't make sense the rapid testing is apparently what the nhl is going to move to for sure they will i, I just don't understand how and we've seen it a few times we saw it with the Chiefs Barber. We saw it in the World Series with Justin Turner. Right. How do you go into any situation and not know if someone has tested positive or not? Right. It, it, it's a little chaotic, but it's just something we had to talk about. Buffalo, yep. Minnesota, New Jersey still. Yeah. So Phillies are going to be off for like a week because I think they play the Rangers and then they're into the. Now you're getting close to that Vegas outdoor game, which um. again is another. I guess that has Ridiculous. to come into question now. Yeah. Why, well, it should have, we, we talked about it. Why are they still, at the beginning of the year, why are they doing that? Like, why would you set yourself up? I know it's outdoors and stuff. But you're going to have four teams moving Traveling in and out, out of there. Exactly. Within why? 24 hours. For no reason. You don't have to do it. It. it I mean, I love outdoor games, but. Absolutely. Just not this year, right? If that's going to, you know, if you want to weigh it, are we going to have the Stanley Cup playoffs in August? Or do you want an outdoor game? Going to take right? the Stanley Cup. Yeah, let's go. Let's just try get it done in June or July and get the Stanley Cup done. Uh. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about this because it's going to affect us the rest of the year. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Columbus because okay. there's a few things going on there. Patrick I watched Laine, the game last night. So. Uh, Patrick Laine gets benched in uh, after the second period. So he did one period better than Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's yep. making his debut for Winnipeg tonight. Or he's supposed to. I'm not sure yes. if he actually is. But no surprise there. No. Right? We, we already talked about it. We knew Torts wasn't going to like Patrick Laine. No. He can and he's, score he's, goals. And he, yeah, exactly. He's like their top scorer, though. But he gets demoted to the fourth line and then benched. Columbus is, they're really a disaster. They could still make the playoffs. Uh, Miko Koivu, who signed with Columbus this year. Retired. Retired. Yeah. Like that, I, I think just, that speaks volumes of he, what's going on in Columbus. Exactly. If Dubois really wanted out of there that bad, Laine's already getting benched. Yeah. It's just, John Tortorella was a great coach in 2004. He won a Stanley Cup. That's 17 years ago now. Yep. It's just hockey's changed so much. Right. And Tortorella is never going to like Line A, even though he no. scores goals. He wants someone that plays defense. Yeah. So, do you? I didn't write this down. Do you think there's a chance Columbus trades, trades Line him A? Again? Yeah, he could. Yeah. Like, what? Like, 
Because he's a free, not a free agent. He'll be a restricted free agent at the end of next year. And he's not gonna, he's not gonna re-sign yeah. if he's already so getting he, benched. Then he'll get the upper hand there. Well, a little, not kind of. Well, he'll just he he'll, he'll won't sign. He won't, yeah, and, exactly. He won't play there until he gets moved. Especially because this is also where I hate that offer sheets just aren't a thing anymore. Right. And if someone offer sheets him, they're gonna match it. Right. And then you can't trade him yeah. for a year. Uh. I was trying to think of any teams that would make that move. I I don't know if I guess I would bring it to the Flyers. I don't think you would want Patrick Line. Yeah, we can't afford him. I was gonna say we're close to the cap. That's the other problem, right? Like the salary cap's gonna be flat now for three or four years. I feel like Tampa Bay could do it somehow. Do you think? No. Do you think if uh, Tampa Bay offered? I'm trying to think of. Uh, so you get Blake Coleman, Anthony Sorelli. Uh, he scored throwing, two goals last night. Throwing Patrick Maroon, just throwing every bottom six. I guess Sorelli is a top six guy now, yeah. but every defensively strong player that Tampa Bay has for Patrick Line. You know what? The sad part is, or unless you're a Tampa Bay fan, you don't need him. No, they are so solid. I've watched four, four or five of their games already this year. They don't have, and in all, I've been watching the games uh, with the opposing announcer announcers sorry and they've all been saying yeah this team does not have any weak spots in it and they don't and you think that they you think losing a guy that led the league in scoring two years ago or yeah. last year yeah is out for the year nikita yeah. kutrov Gone. and they just they're haven't still skipped a beat. It, it's almost like they're just making it a little bit more fair for the other teams this year that's the way i look at it yeah that, that is fair like opening up that spot in the lineup steven stamkos has come back who there was trade rumors, and it seemed like they didn't really want to keep that contract with having to sign Mikhail Sergachev and right. Point and Sorelli. But right. yeah, Tampa Bay, they're just, especially in that division, because it doesn't look that strong, yeah. it, it seems they're like they're gonna just going to cruise. Rolling. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm surprised they played uh, Vasilevsky as much as they had. Like, he finally got a day off yesterday. They finally. I I wasn't sure if it was still McElhaney is still the backup, and he is. Wow, that's so, got to play his first game of the year. It I, almost got a shutout. <laughs> that, that's the thing. If it doesn't really matter who your backup goalie is, because your the team in front of him is so strong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing from Carolina Columbus was a, I I can't say it any less than a catastrophic, uh, missed offside. Yeah, NHL screwed up, but oh. and they admitted it. Right, they just couldn't get down. Or I don't know how this miscommunication happens. Like you think this would be set in stone for every type of replay, but yeah, they missed it unfortunately. And I mean, they took what was it, forty-five seconds of the power play off the board. Yeah, at, after an intermission. Right. And for Tortorella, I mean, I think that's if you wanted to pick a coach for that to happen to, right, I think right. You'd want it to happen to John Tortorella and exactly, just see what yeah. his reaction is. And yeah, it's. The NHL's fault. They they admitted they were wrong, but I'm sure Tortorella's reaction was, "Okay, what does that do for me?" Right. We still lost. Yeah. And yeah. because of that, and you could even see Line was mad about it, and he's someone that doesn't really show too much emotion. But even everyone can admit that that was. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's as bad as the Daniel Briere or the Matthew Shane offside. Right. Right. But just still mistakes that shouldn't be happening in instant replay time. Right. Did you happen to see the next game, the highlights of it? Uh, no. Okay, so the, um, they awarded uh, Columbus a penalty shot, and the guy was tripped. 
at the other team's blue line. Like it wasn't a clear cut breakaway. And Dougie Hamilton, you'll be, you'll have to watch it. And Dougie Hamilton was probably at the red line, like standing still, but he at least could have started skating to get him. And they called a penalty shot. And even the announcers were saying this is because of last night's game. A they were trying call. to do a makeup call because it was the same refs. And it's true. If you see the play, I've never seen it before either. It, it, the announcers were going nuts, right? Because it was the Carolina announcers. Uh, they were going bananas, going, this is a total makeup call from yesterday. And, of course, Columbus scores on it as well. I, I guess that, that's fair that you make up that. But it, there seems to be not as many issues with refing now. But I was talking about it the other night with uh, one of my buddies about just changing instant replay. And... There just shouldn't be any mistakes, and we were talking about it more in baseball about having just a robot stri- uh, strike zone. Right. So it's one strike zone; you can't make any mistakes. And that's it's funny you say that because Australian Open, wow, what a difference it is this year! They're having robots for the line calls. Like the line, the players have no one to get mad at. It's weird because there's a close call, and you can kind of see the the look. Oh yeah, we we can argue it. Right, it's in or out. That's that's what. It's so weird. Then you said to me, "If you're challenging, so you're gonna challenge the robot to review what the robot Robot. said." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the other, so we always talk about the North Division. Yep. Uh, Toronto dominates Vancouver again. Yeah, three in a row. That goes to show you, right? Because remember, we talked about it. It's pretty tough in in any professional league for one team to beat another team three times in a row regardless of when it is in the season. Uh, if you are, yeah, that's not a good sign. And the weirdest part about, did you see that, the highlights from the Saturday night game? Yes. First of all, Austin Matthews, and at, at this point, because Nathan McKinnon's out, if yeah. McKinnon's in, I think he's the second best center. I right. think Matthews is, might be the third best center. Right. Third or fourth. With, yeah, yeah, he's right there. And scores an amazing goal on Holby, and then Holby also tries to play the puck off the glass. And JT Miller, who admitted he stopped skating, yeah, Matthews beats him to the puck and scores. Right. And Holby's just staring daggers, and you could just see how mad and frustrated he was. Even in the post game press conference, he was right. talking about how this team's not in the sink and right. this is going wrong. The only thing about it is, you're the new guy. Shouldn't you be more of a leader? Right, and it's funny you say that because I was listening to Elliot Friedman during the intermission and he said he was surprised by what Holpe said there because Holpe just usually says, I'm the goalie, I just stopped the puck. So he's thinking there's a lots of issues going on uh, in Vancouver right now for him to say something like that. Um, there's some big problems there. And with all the issues, they're still in the thick of the playoff race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll be right there. It'll be a battle for, other than Ottawa, it'll be a battle for that uh, number four spot. And and we also have said pretty confidently that Toronto and Montreal, who bounced back with a win over Ottawa, they had to come back down to earth and lose to Ottawa. But right. they, I, I don't see any problems with this team. Yeah. The Leafs have the high-end skill that are dominating. Montreal is doing it three or four lines deep right right and then it's really going to come down to who wants to play winnipeg right winnipeg's going to finish third there that's a tough tough ask if dubois can get his uh skate settled there in in winnipeg they're going to be a pretty formidable team to play against especially that team you look at it that's a 
team built for the playoffs. If your three centers are Mark Scheifele, yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois, and Paul Stastny, you're in good shape. So yeah, if you're you want to finish first because you want to play Edmonton or Calgary or Vancouver in that first round because those teams are not playoff savvy. They, players are not playoff ready. They all have because I think we said before the year that all these teams you can see the flaws. Yeah, they all have different flaws, but they all have flaws. I was gonna say more. What's Vancouver's positive? I guess they're scoring. You yeah, they're still Besser scoring. Patterson. Yeah, uh, Calgary. It just it's confusing why their offense just isn't right. working. They do win the Battle of Alberta, right? The first one of this year. Yeah, I, I really at this point think it's gonna be Edmonton and Calgary battling for a playoff spot. Yeah, Battle of Alberta will be battle for number four. Which I, I think yeah. if we're going to see that nine more times, I yeah, think this yeah. is going to be really fun. Oh, for sure it will be. Uh, before we move on to the NBA, I wanted to uh, – I'm going to see if I can play this clip for you. Uh, I saw on, I saw on TikTok. I okay. stepped away from the mic. Uh, it's a conspiracy about the NHL this year. Okay. So just you tell me if you can hear it. Okay. I think there's a giant conspiracy happening in the NHL right now. Yep. Anyone else notice night in, night out, the referees are calling these rinky-dink, Mickey Mouse penalties, oh, yeah. one-handed hooks, little one-tap slashes to the gloves that get called, and you're like, how the hell is that a penalty? I think yeah. what has happened is that the referees have been mandated by the league to try and subtly call as many of these penalties as possible to give teams power plays and ultimately have high-scoring games. So why do they want to have high-scoring games? Well, it's really simple. The NHL's TV deal is done at the end of the year with NBC. Mm. They need a new dance partner. It's likely yeah. going to be ESPN. Right. And when Gary Bettman walks into the deal room with ESPN at the end of this year to negotiate TV rights for the U.S., he wants to have a product that has high-scoring back-and-forth games because, you know, there are a lot of diehard U.S. hockey fans for sure, but there's also a lot of, like, casual-ish hockey fans in the U.S. that don't really know much about the game and they just want to see high-scoring affairs back-and-forth. So I think Gary Bettman is trying to run up the score so he can get as much money from ESPN as possible when he goes to renegotiate his TV, TV deal. I like it. I like that conspiracy theory. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with it because there's some calls like, how can you call a one-handed slash? Like a slash is two hands. You need two hands to slash someone. I don't know. Or a, or a one-handed hook. That's not a hook then. Like you're not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, some of those, there is a lot of ticky-tack calls out there for sure. Uh, shout out to hockey underscore Illuminati. Who I love it. Made that video. I think it, he's a former college hockey player. Okay. Uh, that it totally makes sense too. It, it, they need a hockey deal. And, when I yeah, when I saw that, if you have to put your product up, if NBC wants to re up or ESPN wants to get in there, you could create a bidding war. If you say, "Look, look at these numbers over the last five years, and yeah. look at the spike we had in scoring this year." Exactly. Again, it, it, you'll have to watch that penalty shot like or why it was called a penalty shot you'll you'll be the same thing i was like again i'm neutral right and i was agreeing totally with the carolina announcers like why is this a penalty shot i've never seen that before usually it's got to be called a clear-cut breakaway right that takes a scoring chance away Mm -hmm. how are you getting a scoring chance when you're just coming out of your own blue line it, yeah, the way you're you know, describing it, it, it doesn't. It just sounds like a tripping penalty. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I when I when I watched that, I loved the idea of that. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's just the NHL. They changed the rules to make they it have. a lot closer." They have. They've definitely cracked down on it. But this year feels a little different. The one I think of is I think it was Mitch Marner against Edmonton, and he like barely bumped into darnell nurse right and it was a penalty and then a few minutes later it might have been in another game against edmonton darnell nurse it, it looked like a wrestling move he like choked he like 
took him down with a horse collar and it wasn't a penalty. Right. It just, it's inconsistency, which I think is what everyone in sports cares about with anything that has to do with refereeing. Just be consistent. Exactly. And I don't think it'll ever come, but it would be nice if um, the coach's challenge could include penalties. You're, you'd eliminate flops. Uh, and it just reminded me of one McDavid. Uh, he was, uh, I guess this was against Calgary on Saturday night. Uh, with He's, Giordano. Yeah. Uh, he goes to the net, right? There's actually should have been no penalty at all in the play because Giordano hits the puck before he trips him, trips him, goes into the goalie, and McDavid gets a penalty. Yeah, he gets the goalie interference. Call. Yeah, and it really, if if you look at it again, because the, the announcers are going, oh, it could have went either way there, right? But if you look at it again, he actually touches the puck before he touches McDavid. So, again, it would have been one of those, okay, let's review it. Oh, there's no harm, clean, no foul on everybody, right? Well, especially if there's so many cases where you have to slow down and play and go, okay, well, he hit him and the puck went in, but did someone push him in? Well, yeah, and again, now you're slowing down the game, right? So your two-and-a-half-hour hockey game is now three hours plus, and the NHL doesn't want that. Um, all right, I think that's yeah, that's it for the NHL. The NBA not too much this weekend. The Leafs had or uh, the Leafs, the Raptors had an eventful weekend. They lose to Atlanta in a game where nah. it just felt like a testament to the whole year of just yeah. closing out games. It just didn't work out for them. And it, they were playing back to back. Atlanta was waiting for them at home. That's one of those few times I think you'll see that this year because everyone seems to play on a second every other night. It was one of those where Atlanta was well rested and it kind of came to fruition in this one uh and then uh yesterday they beat memphis in a game where i'm really glad you get to watch john morant because it feels like there should be in the category of a one-man show because of how good he is but right. they have such a just no superstars but they just have such good role players that know where to be right especially the old raptor center yeah no Jonas valanciunas he was unbelievable in this game i couldn't believe it he had zero points and I think eight rebounds the last time these two teams played, which is like what? That's unbelievable. And he had I don't know twenty some points. I, I don't know exactly, but he was like out there big time. Like he was a difference maker. Um, not only when he was out there, but when he wasn't out there, then the Raptors were really taking advantage of that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, that Moran gang was unbelievable. He was hitting shots from everywhere. You just and when he wasn't hitting shots, he was making the wide open pass because everybody was going to him. And but yeah, Memphis just I, I guess they need a player or two because they they were up by ten for most of that game and they lost by ten and or eleven. And this was the uh, Kyle Lowry get he gets injured early in the game. Yeah, I heard his his lo he had lower back spasms or stiffness or whatever. So yeah, he started, but then they pulled him. Uh, Nick Nurse had a technical, and then in the middle of a timeout, really gave it to the refs and gets another technical thrown out of the game. Right, and then that seemed to turn things around. The Raptors really kind of stepped up their play for that. So I'm just wondering if sometimes coaches do that on purpose to try and get a little bit more out of their team. Because it's almost like the hockey where you pull a goalie, not because he's playing bad, but just right. because you need a timeout. Exactly, without using your timeout. Yeah, exactly. It, it was definitely a good idea. The other... Um, Saturday night primetime ESPN it was Dallas versus Golden State and it was Luka versus Steph Curry uh Dallas won the one thing I saw and I love Luka Doncic he's one of my favorite players in the league this is a moment where I saw a 21 or 22 year old because he is the best player on this team right he is not really a good leader 
when they were down and they were making bad plays, he was just getting frustrated. He was yelling at guys. When you could see with Golden State, when there was there were mistakes, it wasn't panic. It right. was just just move on to the next play. Let's right. let's not think about it. It was something fascinating with Dallas because they ended up winning and Doncic played amazing. And I think him and Steph both had fifty points. And I just came out of that game thinking this is why Dallas is in the bottom of the West right. because. They don't really have veteran leaders. They're banking on a 21, and uh, I guess Chris Stapps was probably 24 or 25. They just kind of relied last year on on the skill. And even someone like Seth Curry, who's stepped into a role in Philadelphia, that's a big impact, a big impact loss for a team like Dallas. Right. Uh, Yeah, that that was pretty much the NBA wasn't too. I mean, uh, the Lakers are so good until they have to play the Pistons or the Thunder. Two teams. Then they can't win. They just or if they win, it's by the skin of their teeth. They went to double overtime with the Thunder and right. they should be at the bottom of the Western Conference. Right. Uh so before we get to Aussie Open, uh what happened this weekend in college basketball? Um well kind of got me off guard there. College basketball. Yes, I did watch lots of games. Uh, uh, oh Duke, North Carolina basically played it was a playoff game. So, yeah, I think I told you before this, it was 61 years the last time that either one of these two teams had to play each other and weren't ranked. Uh, that just kind of blew me away. 61 years. like So this is before Coach K yeah. was born almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, that was, I couldn't believe that stat. So um, that was actually a really good game. Uh, North Carolina won. So basically I don't think Duke's going to be making the tournament. Unless they win the ACC tournament, yeah, which still doesn't really look too too strong in their case. No, exactly. So, and again, so I'm talking about two teams that aren't ranked at all, but it was actually a really good game. Um, unfortunately, some more uh, post moments. Uh, the top teams, Gonzaga, didn't get to play. Baylor didn't get to play, so that was a little bit disappointing. Um, what other game did I watch? Creighton actually surprised me. They looked actually pretty good in their game. Uh, and let me just think here now. I'm trying to think who Indiana played. Oh, Iowa actually looked pretty good too. They had that big man. He's a, like a top three. Yeah, he he is a beast, and he tries. Like he's, I guess they say he run, they have to slow him down sometimes because he runs so fast and so hard all the time, uh, and then he takes uh, fouls because of that or whatever they were saying. So they had to kind of calm him down a little bit. But uh, yeah, that was impressive to see him play um and then besides that again oklahoma state uh they they're impressing me even though they're not ranked but um you know what's impressed me is actually uh cunningham hasn't played well but the rest of their team is actually good so if he can actually get things going they actually might be something scary come the tournament time for a team that isn't ranked and has such a talented player, when I when I watched those highlights, I just kept thinking, this is this is supposed to be the NCAA where it's one freshman that can lead a team to a championship. But it seems like, especially in this weird year, you need a more balanced attack. Right. Which I'm, I mean, it's basketball, so most of it is going to involve the three pointer. That's why I I love Matt Garza for, uh, like you said, his effort and kind of. I mean, I know in the NBA you have Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid who are reinventing and bringing back the center position. He 
he could be in the NBA, not as a superstar, but a guy you just want on your team because you could throw him out there for a few minutes. And even if he gets three fouls, he's going to make more of an impact. Right. Um, and Villanova, they actually look pretty good too. Um, trying to remember who they played now. I think it was Georgetown. Um, and Georgetown, I didn't realize Ewing is their head coach. Oh, yeah. Um, but again, and they're five and nine now, so they won't be in the, at the dance or whatever. But they've That's, got a couple of up and coming centers, obviously. Uh, that was where uh, the Texas Tech uh, Mac McClung, he played at Georgetown last year and gotcha. then he transferred. He was going, he declared for the NBA draft and then decided to transfer. And Illinois, Illinois, watch out for Illinois. They are going to be scary. Uh, I think Cockburn. Is there is like a one of the leading uh, rebounders, and uh, I've actually watched them a couple times now, and they have taken care of business, so they are a team on the rise. And then Michigan at number three, I still haven't seen them play yet because they haven't played, so that's kind of frustrating. Um, and then other than that, um, I would say Alabama is my big question mark because I've watched them a three or four times now and i'd say 50 percent of the time they've looked awesome and the other 50 percent of the time they don't look good at all so i'm kind of i'm not sure about them and then the only team i have left to watch that i really want to see is usc because i understand they have another top uh, five draft uh, pick on their team uh evan mobley Thank who's you. a big man he was in he's in this factory of uh because before with basketball, it was just you'd play for your high school team, and then you, that's how you got discovered by college uh, college teams. But now they have the AAU system where it basically is where you get to create your college teams before college, which is if you – it's more of young guys now, but there's a team, the Compton Magic, that they have Evan Mobley. They have uh, Mikey Williams, who's uh, – I don't know if he's going to college. He might go the G League route. I'm not sure, but he's right. one of the top college or uh, like top prospects. Gotcha. So they've created this system where they uh, they have four or five star talents. Right. Uh, any anything else for college basketball? No, no. I think that was about it. Uh, I got a few games to watch here tonight, so I'll, uh, I can give you more of an update. Uh, I'd like to watch Houston too. Houston's another team that looks really good. They're sixteen and two on the season, so I'd like to watch uh, watch one of their games again. As long as COVID doesn't get in the way, I was gonna say I think Michigan is supposed to come back this week against Wisconsin, so that'll be a gotcha. top twenty-five matchup. Uh, before we go, uh, we're in day two of the Aussie Open. Day three. It is uh, tomorrow already there, so tomorrow would be... Because I started Sunday, right? Wednesday. So be... Yeah, Sunday, which is Monday, right, in Australia. They're a day ahead of us, so yeah, it's going to be going into day three. Uh, early early impressions of the tournament. How about before any specific players, just the environment of the Aussie Open? Uh, environment's awesome because they've got fans, so it's nice to hear the umpire say, quiet, please, <laughs> right? Or uh, no f- flash photography um stop moving or whatever so it's nice to hear that even the announcers are saying that so that's been awesome uh and it hasn't been too warm there uh one thing i found kind of intriguing is they are allowing 30,000 fans there but they only had about 18,000 fans on day 1 and they're they're thinking is the they're just the australians are nervous to go because of all these international people that are there and the, and there's basically zero cases of covid there so they're it's almost like they're still they were in lockdown for 118 days 
is uh, what Cahill was saying, um, like the the entire country, which is nuts. And it was also right as they started getting cases. Exactly. It was immediate lockdown. Exactly. You're right. So we'll see. Um, a, a lot of the announcers were saying that it'll probably start picking up as the week goes along, or two weeks, because it's a two-week tournament, and people will probably start showing up. Well, especially once you get to, I'd say, for me, I, I really jump in when it's like the quarterfinal like I, I pay attention yeah as a casual fan right yeah. so yeah you're right you're probably and yeah you'll probably get more people there the other thing too is the weather it's middle of summer there and it was like 16 degrees there oh yesterday so yeah the, it's, well for there right yeah so that might keep people in like you know or not going to the night sessions or whatever bringing their jackets right exactly and then the last impression was just not having any uh ball uh, line announcers or uh, sorry line linesmen there for for any of the lines it's all done by computer now by a camera that's why when you told me what do you notice different about the court and i was looking like okay there's people on the court i don't they're not wearing masks and it took me a minute until i saw the cameras and i was like oh i guess there's just no linesman like yeah. no and then i was i was trying to pick out a lot of things and it's honestly it's weird to see people not wearing masks but that's right. just how it, they've treated it yeah exactly which is awesome to see that they're not wearing masks and uh yeah like i said the players have nobody to complain to because it's either in or out and i i guess it's the computer that yells it because it sounds like a human but it's not when it's out but then they'll still show up on the scoreboard uh any they call them close calls right so it's obviously no one's challenging them but i guess you still can but they show them up like how close it was in or how close like it was out after the point yeah exactly they'll still show it regardless of whether the player wants to see it it's just i guess just more for the crowd so they can see it the only thing i'm not sure about is foot faults but i'm assuming it's the same thing if the player touches the line that it'll be called i just haven't heard one yet so that was the only thing you know from the human side of things that, yeah you know Again, back in my day, they even had a guy at the net hold, uh, putting his fingers on top of the net. So if you had a net cord on a first serve, it would be the guy saying uh, reserve or whatever, yeah. net cord or whatever. So again, times have changed. I just didn't realize they were that close to that kind of technology. I just thought maybe they were doing it because of COVID, but I guess this has been kind of in the works for a little bit. It's, it's a good way to test out and see if it works. For sure. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you're going to get the same thing at Wimbledon because they're kind of more traditionalists, but we'll see. And there's still a few, because that's, that's the thing about the Grand Slam season is it feels like the first three tournaments are pretty close together. And then there's a huge gap between, because it's Aussie, French, then Wimbledon, right? That's right, yeah. And then there feels like there's a huge gap between that and the U.S. Open. Yeah, because summer's off. Well, not off, but they're playing other hardcore tournaments for July and August and then yeah US Open starts up at the end of August so all right how about uh specific players that you've been impressed with not impressed with so far uh on the women's side there's way more uh women that I like to watch play and it's just more I'm gonna call it the Andy Roddick uh, Raonic factor I just don't like watching somebody serve an ace it just gets boring so on the women's side uh just wa watching the end of uh Svitolina she's number five uh so she's keep an eye on her for sure Halep is going to be right there uh be interesting to see Bianca how she does she won her first rounder in a, uh, a three-setter 
but she might have needed that to get some more playing time kind of get back into the flow because as much as you can practice 15 months isn't going to come back in one match exactly but uh the announcers really think that she has a legitimate chance which i was surprised about but it's because they say that she's so mentally tough that she can get through anything and if if she wasn't mentally ready to play in the tournament last week it's probably better for her where most players want to play to try and get built up for that even if you play and lose in the first round I, I think it would be a lot more demoralizing after not playing for so long right right so it might work against you mentally um the one the one really nice story i saw out of out of a canadian was rebecca marino who right. took four or five years off from the tour right came back and she won her first match uh, yeah exactly yeah and there was another canadian you were talking about that was younger yeah fernandez um she lost she had to play number 18 mertens in the first round but uh i still liked her her battle like she lost uh, i think it was six to six four um but the, there was a lot of um deuces in a lot of the games where it could have went her way so um yeah keep an eye out on her in the future she's definitely going to be uh, one of the uh, up-and-coming canadians on the women's side for sure and uh, the, serena and serena too for sure again the i don't know why the announcers again they're american so they're, they're they think she's the front runner i don't think so she looks good for sure she actually looks like she's gotten quicker uh, I, I don't know how she's done it at 39, but uh, to me, I would say Osaka's would be my front runner uh, from what I've seen so far to win the tournament uh, on the women's side. Yeah, so how about how about on the men's side? On the men's side, uh, I, I, I'd have to say it's going to be, it's got to be Novak. I, I, I don't see anyone else really there. Nadal normally is, but he's got a bad back. They're saying, like, I've seen him in warm-ups and he's having trouble serving. But I guess if he can work his way into the tournament and I guess he's got the easiest draw out of any of the top four seeds, then uh, he might make a run run for it. So we'll have to see. But uh, Nadal's only won once there. So he's been in four four other finals since 2010. He just It's one of those tournaments that I it, it, he always seems to get hurt or injured or something so it just it, it doesn't seem to be very favorable for him and he just came off one in the french open a couple of months ago which is so weird and then he's going to play in one again in another three or four months so yeah it's going to be it's so strange six months in between french yeah opens. so he can win another one but uh yeah we'll, we'll have to see and then other than that on the men's side it, i know team is one of those guys and zverev those two are are there now right they played in the u.s open final and there's no Roger, so that kind of opens up the door for any of the new guys. And I like my uh, Greek fella. He he's he'll he'll make a run at it too. I I really think he's gotten over the um, um just over the fact that uh, he can beat those top players now, and I think he can do that on on any given night. He can go the other way too and lose to somebody that he shouldn't. Um, but I think he'll he he'll be another one that's right there. Uh, how about our, so we saw, we've seen our three Canadian boys so far, how, how I saw Milos won his first round. Yeah. Again, very easily serve, serve, serves working well. He'll, he'll go far. Um, but, but once, yeah, once was, you've faced those higher level players, yeah, they're going to get some of those back. Right. Or you're now you have to take something off your serve cause you don't want to have a second serve. So yeah, it'll be a little bit more of a struggle for him, but yeah, he looked great. Uh, beat a, a good player in Korea. Uh, so he looked good. Um, Felix looked awesome. He was probably the best player out of the Canadians. Pospisil, he lost to um, 
or uh, to the nemesis. Oh, uh, Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev, yeah. So he's out because um, he's played actually really well uh, on the Canadian side. And then finally, uh, Shabavalov had a real tough. I knew he, I knew it was going to be a tough one too. He was playing Sinner uh, from Italy, who's a up and comer, and he almost beat Nadal. I remember. I remember watching I think that it match. Was, yeah, at the U. I want to say it was the U.S. Open. I'm pretty sure it was, and it was a close match. Like he could have beaten Nadal. Um, but he's a guy that you'll have to look out for in the future because he is good. He he doesn't get rattled. He's calm out there, and yeah. So it was a five setter. That was that was the thing about when he played Nadal is a lot of guys you can see they grew up watching Djokovic and Nadal and Federer. Right, it's almost like that Tiger effect, right? That the, those guys kind of have. These guys are so good. How yeah, am I going to beat them? Exactly. When I watched Sinner, it was just this guy doesn't. He's not as talented. No, but that's not his game. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a, that was a really that my favorite match so far was that one. Uh, but yeah, Shapovalov pulled it off. I didn't think he did. He w- was going to. He he got smoked in the first set, and but he was again. That's why he's number eleven. He was able to pull things together and figure things out and kind of limit his errors. That's his biggest thing. Is he kind of goes for broke too much. Um, and that can work against him. But, uh, yeah, he, again, it's so wide open. None of these guys, like, who's been training? Who hasn't been training? You know, it's with this COVID thing. Now you got some fans back. So it just, I think it leaves it even a little bit more wide open than it would in any other year at the Australian Open. It's funny that uh, Shapovalov is, rank-wise, he's the best Canadian, but he also feels like the most inconsistent where yeah. – he has this amazing match, and then, like you said, especially you see it when he plays a guy like Nadal, a right. guy even because he's not at that level of Zverev and team where he's playing from behind. Right, right. Where if he's playing, and it's it's funny, the couple times that he's played Felix, that that seems like that's who his competition is. Like that they're at the same level, but right. Felix is I think he's younger. Yeah. And he's maybe by lower year. ranked, right? So But he just feels like the safer choice is if you go five years down the line, who do you think would be in a better position? And it feels like it's Felix just because maybe maybe he's I don't want to say too safe, but maybe Shapovalov right. can go up a level where it feels like this is kind of where Felix is going to be. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the way I see it, where Felix will probably be like a 15 for the rest of his career. But Chapo, I think his biggest problem is when he has to play someone he's supposed to beat, that's when he struggles. When he plays someone that he's either equal with or he's playing a top-ranked player, he seems to play better. Uh, if he can get that far, that's his problem, right? If he can get past the fourth round... Uh, which he's had trouble with, then that's where I think you'll see him shine. But uh, he hasn't been able to get there. So we'll we'll just have to see who, if we have any of these Canadian. I guess will they match up any of them by the draw? Uh, I'll have to take a look. So we'll come. Well, I mean, by the time we come back Saturday, we might not have all the Canadians yeah, left in the field. Yeah, that's right. We'll be in. We'll be in the fourth round by then. So. So, yeah, we'll be back Saturday, episode 53. We'll do Aussie Open, uh, I guess, NBA and NHL during the week, college basketball, if anything significant happens. Right. It's the NFL offseason. I think we can we can take a little break because in a couple of weeks I definitely want to do – we figured out – it was a few weeks uh, – maybe a couple of months ago now we figured out uh, how the NFL should realign. So Exactly. We talked about that, and then it's almost baseball season. Right. Yeah, really. We'll talk about and, and, that in a couple of weeks. And in a couple of weeks, it'll be pitchers and catchers, and we can freak out about uh, the Yankees 
uh, pitching staff and how they've gotten better. Right, exactly. All right, got anything else? Nope, that's it for me. All right, and besides that, we'll see you next time.